0: So I feel like we kind of have a plan, right? Like if yeah. we, if we had to leave here quickly. However, I just, realized, oh, I guess Alex and Sarah could drive. Cause like, I, I thought like a, a other thing that like, um, you were like knocked unconscious or something. Oh yeah. Alex and Sarah could drive my car. Hello, beloved survivors. Uh, I mean, no I'm, I'm Autumn, Autumn Brown. Brown. And this care. is how to survive the end of the world. Like we, uh, like if there's debris on the ground, we could just like try to drive like into it, like around the road for a bit. The other voice you're hearing is my eldest I child, Finn. We've been recording a lot of conversations about apocalypse preparedness. I mean, there's this awesome book that I was just remembering that I have called "Where There Is No Doctor," and it's basically all about how to provide first aid when there's no one who has, like, medical training as a doctor around. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing we have it. I remember that, um, I remember reading this, um, article of, about the Civil War where, um, mm-hmm. Southern doctors, um, mm-hmm. I, I had, didn't have, like, much medical, like, um, practice and stuff like that, but they knew, like, that um, they could use, like, natural resources, like, they could use cucumbers to treat burns, they used, um, uh, wood bark to use, um, instead of splints to hold bones and mm-hmm. place. When we first conceived of this series, we knew that one of the most important conversations we would have is about how we access medicine, health, and healing under the conditions of collapse. Little did we know that we would be airing the episode in the midst of a global pandemic, wherein one of the chief concerns was slowing the spread of a virus to avoid overwhelming our fragile, under-resourced, and inequitable medical systems. It wasn't hard to decide who I wanted to have this conversation with. My mind immediately leapt to the seminal text Where There Is No Doctor, and the friend who introduced me to it, community herbalist Lauren Jambrone. Where There Is No Doctor is a village healthcare manual, originally compiled and published in the 1970s by David Werner. It's been printed in 75 languages, reprinted in multiple editions, and contains useful and easy-to-understand information about how to diagnose, treat, or prevent common diseases and injuries. You'll hear more about this text during my interview with Lauren. I was introduced to the book by Lauren back when we were both a part of the Rock Duff Collective, a radical community health exchange that was active in New York City between 2006 and 2012, which existed to link people with healthcare using a mutual aid and barter model. During that time, Lauren also became a community herbalist, a medicine maker, and a health educator. She founded the Good Fight Herb Company, and in 2010, she moved from New York City to the Hudson Valley in New York, where she opened a brick-and-mortar shop to support her practice. Since then, she has co-founded Wild Gather, the Hudson Valley School of Herbal Studies. In our conversation, Lauren shares critically important information about how we can support immune health and treat a range of illnesses using plant medicine. And she offers specific recommendations on how we can prevent and treat the coronavirus. I hope you get as much out of listening to this conversation as I did in having it.
1: Well, I got to herbalism um, through... The Rock Dove Collective essentially but I got to the Rock Dove, hey. <laughs> yeah but I uh oh, but I love you Rock Dove. but I got to the Rock Dove Collective through burnout and that was kind of just how I call it I mean that was what um 2005-2006 I was deeply, deeply burnt out and deeply physically and emotionally depleted on a level where I was, um, just, uh, s- sick with like, uh, cold flu, really bad, um, illness that would like lay me out for a couple of days. And then, um, I'd get back up and do the same routine of just like working hard, going hard. And that was also within the time that I was doing activism in New York City Um, on top of all the other things as an early 20-year-old, like working a full-time job, doing full-time activism, going to dance to every DJ and every club I could and like... You know, just a certain kind of Mm -hmm. lifestyle that I had, and there was no culture of care, and there was no culture of taking care, or it was like if you went home to sleep for the night or took a break to have dinner, it's like you weren't... um, that wasn't that wasn't centered let's just say that in the culture of activism yeah. that I was in at the time that was not centered and so therefore i entered this um multi-year state of what i just call burnout and um my mental health like was so deeply affected by it after enduring it for so long that that's when I like radically had to change my life and basically say no to so many things to say yes to so many others. And the yes was Mm. rest and care and cooking for myself and staying home and sleeping and not burning the candle at both ends and just like refocusing everything. And I got really into, um, like learning about different herbs and different foods and just kind of returning to myself um, as a way Mm -hmm. to feel better and be able to do normal day-to-day things um, with better physical and emotional capability um, and sustenance. Mm -hmm. And then through that time period, I then met the Rock Dove Collective and You know, y'all had just literally like had one meeting or had been
0: together one month and here I was. You, you're you saying you met us, but really, like, you co founded the Rock Map Collective. Like, I feel like we had had one meeting and then you were at the second meeting, and we picked the name at the second meeting, so you definitely were a co founder.
1: Wait, and then I got the tattoo on my foot. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you have the tattoo, you're a founder. Thank you.
1: Um, well, I think you know, I think, and then this is where, like, you know, social justice has just always been at the heart and center um, where, you know, here we were as the Rock Dev Collective trying to link people. Well, firstly, our work was linking people within our New York City community who are working within social justice movements to practitioners who shared a similar um, perspective and framework and values and who could offer Mm -hmm. essentially just safe care to... Um, communities that, that needed that. And so I feel like that. And then from within us interviewing practitioners, that's how I first met um, herbalism and something about it really Ooh. spoke to me and something about it, like, I think hit some like ancestral cord too, or like feeling of remembering my grandmother and all, all that I wanted, you know, and all the care and um, the kitchen was the heart of my grandmother's one bedroom apartment <laughs> and, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I spent so much of my childhood there. And I just, so kitchen witchery, I just feel like is somewhere deep in me and I have yet to remember it all. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. So I think that that has always, you know, and then I, and then I, you know, went and did my first herbal apprenticeship. And, um, so yeah, maybe I'm rambling now, but er (laughs) burnout brought me to Rakta, which brought me to herbalism. Um, and social justice values have always been at the heart of it because I first started learning about herbalism as a way to, um, Take care of myself in a non toxic, non chemical, outside of the system way. Because personally, for me, my experience of burnout was something that I just deeply knew that I didn't like. I I wasn't going to go to the doctor for. I didn't need a pill for it. Yeah. I needed nourishment. Um. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Am <laughs> I just like go it on it <laughs> Well, I know what an important lesson also for this moment. I feel like because, you know, one of the things that I'm that I'm thinking about as we turn and face the the unfolding crisis of this pandemic and the both the very, very fast and in some ways very slow slow pace at which the things are starting to dissolve mm-hmm. in terms of just how our society functions. I think in that there's a, there's a reckoning that's in that for all of us about what toll it has taken on our bodies and on our relationships to maintain the pace that capitalism requires of us mm-hmm. and to maintain the pace that fighting capitalism and fighting white supremacy and fighting institutionalized oppression of all, of all kinds the toll that that takes on our bodies and our, on our relationships and so as we've been in this process of having to completely slow down all of the work because of the necessity of social distancing and quarantining and flattening the curve all those things I feel like it's making way for uh, like an awareness and a reckoning that comes from that awareness about the impact that all of us are holding in our bodies and in our relationships and in our brains and in our hearts. And so it feels like that the lesson that you just described of like your own experience of burnout and that just understanding that like, a doctor was not going to be able to solve this problem, but nourishment and some level of like ancestral connection was going to help you solve that problem feels really, really important and perhaps even like prescient for right now. Um, Yeah. I'm wondering if you could talk to a little bit about like the, you know, because at some point in your journey as an herbalist, you ended up like leaving New York city, moving to the Hudson Valley, like, you had started creating this company, Good Fight Herb Co., and then you ended up opening like a brick and mortar shop there. Um, and I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about like what moved you to leave New York, and and what gave you the like, I don't know, just like the bravery, the courage mm-hmm. to to. I'm going to go, I'm going to take this step of like actually opening up a physical space and like building out this company in order to support my practice.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I really think that the, the plants were such a huge factor. Um, I had gone and done my first herbal apprenticeship outside of New York city when I was still living there in 2008. And I left New York city in 2010. And, um, that relationship that I was able to start cultivating with plants and the acknowledging of the land and seeing, The land and the plants and the stones and the creatures and the animals and the moon cycles in a totally different way and rural setting gave me this opportunity to really um, talk to plants and introduce myself and um, ask if I could be their friend and if they could teach me what they, you know, what they have to share um, was just became relationships that I wanted to engage more and when I moved back to to New York City from this um apprenticeship I I was working in um I was working as a cook in a homeless youth drop-in center needle exchange and through Rockdove as well, also became uh got linked up with friends who um had lived or were living in the Hudson Valley farming. And so I got to like make those connections and start coming up and start meeting other um punks and herbalists and farmers and folks with um radical politics doing land projects and figuring things out and in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I then had access to alignment with people who had um, spaces where plants grew and because they're farming and a lot of important, important medicines are considered weeds. I had this incredible opportunity to initially just weed out farm beds and farm paths and take Um, or collect and gather and like utilize a ton of medicine that I'd then bring back to the drop-in and show the kids and make tea for them and start making medicine for the community and reaching out to folks saying, hey, this is something I'm working on and if you would like support in this way, I'm learning and we can learn together through this collaboration. And so after a little while, I just... um, I just and I was I'd wild gather in Prospect Park like early in the morning at like six in the morning um and Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, my apartment at the time um Marie's, you know, another fellow rock dev and I were living together and I would just put screens all over the floor to dry um so much uh oh, Marie's thank you for enduring that with me but um yeah, I think the plants <laughs> got me up here and Uh, I thought what I thought would have been a little bit of a slower or different pace, but really that, (laughs) that, uh, I kind of just kept, I kept up with my go hard pace, but, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was hard. It was hard leaving Rockdove. It was hard leaving the city where my family is from and all all my friends and community were, but it just came to a point where I didn't feel like I fit there anymore. And I didn't feel like I wanted to engage in that kind of lifestyle I was living anymore. And just the plants were like, calling to me and learning about their medicine was calling to me. And I had this opportunity to move upstate. um, And so I took it. Um, And that, Mm -hmm. you know, just as, as, as deeply as Rock changed my life, it was like, the opportunity of moving upstate into this one farmhouse in Germantown and inherit an herb garden that had been um, tended uh, to by different herbalists over the years, like stepping into that beautiful legacy also like changed my life. And here I am like 10 years later with Good Fight and Wild Gather, which is a um, herb school. I co-facilitate with my dear friend um, Mandana Bushy. Yeah, so
0: did I answer the question? You <laughs> totally did. You totally did. I'm wondering again, thinking back to this like the purpose of this conversation, thinking about like how we orient to our health, mm-hmm. um, if we're not able to access industrialized medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you can first, just like, I know that some of our listeners are not going to be like familiar with plant medicine. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of give us a little bit of an introduction to begin with, like before we start getting into some of the specifics of, um, what we can do to support our bodies during this time um if we can kind of zoom out and talk about like what are the kinds of ailments and illnesses that we can actually resolve with plant medicine and that don't necessarily require quote unquote western medical intervention
1: mm-hmm. if you could
0: like share some of your some of the gems from your experience and you know how you were educated into it too as an herbalist um i think that that would be really helpful just as like an intro to this conversation
1: Sure. Um, and I also, that makes me think I just want to plug this book, uh, Where There Is No Doctor. Um, it's it's Where There Is No Doctor or Village Healthcare Handbook. Um, and David Werner put this out a long time ago. And I feel like as a community herbalist um, working with plant medicine, I in my, in my experience of studying from many, many different teachers, the Books like this, where there is no doctor, or um, any kind of like wilderness first aid or first aid in general, um, are books that. When we are able to go to use bookstores i I look for them because there's so many so much um, so much we can learn about taking care of ourselves at home in illness and with first aid situations that we can learn from um, first responders and um, wilderness first responders and medics. Mm. so I just want to plug those kinds of resources that are definitely out there um and keeping I'm some so glad you books.
0: did, because I was like, we don't have to talk about the book, but also, I feel like we should maybe talk about the book. It
1: <laughs> <You laughs> saved me when I was in like deep rural Maine, right before I moved upstate in the Hudson Valley, and I had met Michael and Carol of the Victory Gardens Project up in Maine, and I was helping them with their wood chores one day, and I... Um, Pancaked flattened my hand in the log splitter, and this was the book that helped us to um, deal with the shock that my body went into because it was going to take us a really long, it was going to take us like an ATV ride down to the car, down to the hospital, like it was going to be like a solid hour plus before I could get. Um medical care, and so this book, like Michael and Carol had it, and we were able to um completely like stabilize me and then um get me to the hospital like later on, just to see if I needed x rays, x, y z, but anyway, so huge resource those are huge wow. clouds um for those kind of references um, and I'm sure there's plenty online too and um but yeah, plant medicine, um, so I have studied. Um, Western herbal medicine, and it's not. Um, I just want to. I just want to say that plant medicine is um, indigenous medicine, and you know it's really important um, to look back into our own ancestry, um, chosen and um, bloodline wise in terms of what our peoples did to take care of ourselves, and that's something that oh. really requires a lot of creativity and maybe dreaming and maybe storytelling and asking questions. However people can go about, maybe it's about getting cookbooks from um, your country of origin. If you don't know how to access, you know, there's so many different creative ways to kind of look back, but um, I just want to say that in terms of, you know, studying Western herbal medicine, this is, um, in and of itself is is problematic in terms of colonization and all of the oppression of um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, folks that white Western herbalism has uh, taken from. So I just would mm-hmm. like to say that um, that I just feel like that's important to say, um but within the world of yeah. plants and you know I focus on here in my bio region um what are the plants that are growing around here, and what are the most abundant plants growing around here, and I listen to them and I learn from other teachers and I learn through experience um. How they work and how they can, um, how we can work in collaboration with them to um, feel in our best sense of health as we self determinate, uh, determine it for ourselves, mm. if that makes sense. Um, and so, mm-hmm. plant medicine, oh my gosh, y'all. I mean, plant medicine is incredible. I mean, it's we can use it like a daily vitamin to deeply enrich and nourish our bodies with essential vitamins and minerals that we need to keep all of our cellular processes and body system processes going accordingly, Um, we can use plant medicine for stress and anxiety and depression and the energetic, emotional and physical effects of, um, like we were discussing before, you were saying before, Autumn, you know, capitalism and institutionalized oppressions and the real, real, real toll it takes on people's um, physical and emotional bodies. Um, and we can Mm. use plant medicine for trouble sleeping and allergies and Lyme disease and all kinds of first aid situations, colds and flus and fevers and, um, autoimmunity and, uh, chronic illness. Um, but really it's, one of the most powerful things about plant medicine is we can use them like pharmaceuticals, right. To like fight infection, kill infection. Um, But we can also live in collaboration with them so that they contribute to our daily um, wellness and maintenance of that. And both on a physical and emotional level. And that's how, I really like to um, talk to folks about using plant medicine when they come into the shop or at any of the million markets I used to do, um, because that's not something here in the Western world while, well, I should say like, you know, a lot of folks grow up in really rich traditions of using food and herbs as part of their daily um, daily life and daily practice. And a lot of us... Um, have had that taken from us, or we've never experienced that before. So um, that's something right. that I really like to talk to folks about. Um, in that they're just kind of like Can daily. Can you
0: give an yeah. yeah yeah yeah? Can you give an example of like when you say, like, I, I hear you sort of talking about it, and uh, that you're sort of like enlisting the plants as allies in mm-hmm. daily life. And I'm wondering if you can just give some examples of what that looks like.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So, well, let's just immediately, I'm like, okay, let's talk about dandelion because dandelion grows. um, We all, you know, I can, I can maybe safely assume that many of us know dandelion, right? We've seen it grow in uh, cracks in the sidewalk um, alongside the basketball court outside, In Brooklyn, or we've seen it in um, meadows, grasses, lawns, it's just it literally can grow and thrive anywhere in any space, um, which is such a call for resiliency and community as well. But, um, you know, so dandelion is something that, you know. You can eat the leaves for um, nutrition and for spring awakening and getting our digestive juices moving. We can eat the roots. We can make a tea out of the roots for those same same um, effects. We can, you know... Um, use the flower in lots of different ways for topical medicines or just to incite joy and sunshine and, Hmm. um, ease. Um, so like, this is something that's just literally growing around where you are and you can be in relationship with it. And then, um, work with it uh kind of regularly in your life um to build that relationship while it's also like just maintaining um really good digestive liver wellness you know it's and it's kind of like um mm. or something too where i think of nettles or oats like these are Instead of taking a daily vitamin, which I sometimes do when I get at the store, but I can also drink a cup of nettle or oat tea um, a couple times a day and also um, get my vitamins and minerals that way, get my adrenals and nervous system supported and... Yeah. Does that make sense? Just kind of like living in relationship. Yeah. Like I would take my nettle and oat tea just like I would, you know, making breakfast, making lunch. Like, I know I need to do those things and this is something that I'm adding into it. Um yeah. And then there's many times I don't take my herbs, <laughs> but you know, it's just all the practice of taking care of ourselves and, or myself, sorry, and figuring out what, what makes me feel best, what um, might not make me feel best. And then what am, what am I choosing to prioritize in the moment? And Can I just say, like, maybe I'm going a little off here, but I feel like coronavirus has really given me a bit of a swift kick around um, certain things that I consume regularly in my life that don't actually make me feel um, good and in my in my most strength or in my most power, but I do them anyway because they fulfill mm-hmm. other needs that are fun or coping mechanisms that I rely on. And so, right. right, you know what I mean? So like right now I'm like, oh, I'm kind of actually not chilling with sugar and I'm not drinking the cold cheap beer that I love often or as often because the next day I get kind of the sniffles and I don't, I'm less, I have less energy. I feel lethargic and I get a little, I get really worn out feeling if I like indulge in those things too hard, which I like to do. And then I'm like worried (laughs) that I have coronavirus and And I just, (laughs) you know, I'm like, Oh God, I like, feel I want I, you know had to go to the grocery store at the post office anyway I'm just saying that like it's really given me an opportunity to like kind of reconcile with um making practicing like taking my herbs and eating foods and resting in ways that make me feel most strong because without coronavirus I can easily just like plow through um and not prioritize that as much because I am not worried that the sniffle that I get after a night of drinking beer is a virus that could potentially be incredibly harmful to me and my
0: larger community. So, right, right, that's just, so interesting. And and actually, it connects to. Um, there's something else that you said that I, I kind of wanted to ask you a question about. That I I heard you say at some point that um that there's a component of. Um, working with plants and working with plant medicine that is about um, understanding and defining health and wellness for yourself and and I and I think I'm like taking that to mean that there's a component of the practice that really it requires you to be in conversation with your body because you have to be in order to know whether or not the particular medicine that you're using is actually like functioning well for your body and Mm -hmm. and which is a really different approach right than like within a a western medical context it's like um or i should say within an industrial medical context Mm -hmm. the you know it's more of a one-size-fits-all um cure right that it's like if you're sick with this then this is what you take and you take it in this dose and it makes you feel better in this amount of time and that's what that is and if there are side effects for that cure then those have to be dealt with with in some other way if they're dealt with at all or it's just sort of understood that there's going to be you know right. like if you take a we all know like if we take an antibiotic then it's going to basically destroy the healthy bacteria that live in our guts and so we're either going to deal with that in some proactive way, or we're just going to deal with like how painful and problematic that is for our digestion for weeks on end. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and what I'm hearing you describe is like a really different way of relating to medicine itself. That's much more like conscious and, and like where the person taking the medicine is really at choice and also defining wellness for themselves like what is your wellness goal and how does this medicine going to help you get there am i am i like understanding that correctly
1: yes absolutely self self-determined 100% and i really appreciate what you're saying and it you know there right there is no one healthy state and there's no one expert practitioner it's people who live in bodies that experience their bodies and know exactly how their bodies operate and sometimes need support and from outside resources to make their bodies and their minds and their hearts and spirits and all of the interconnectedness feel, um, uh, their yeah, self-determined, self-defined state of health. And I feel like Mm. I really just want to give the deepest, deepest bow of gratitude for, The disability justice movement and folks with chronic illness who live with this in ways where their bodies and their invisibilizations through the medical industrial complex are so real and have been for so long that coronavirus is like new for a lot of people and there's experiences out there that have been here for a long time. And there's a lot of brilliance that comes and wisdom that comes from that work and that community. Um, And, and again, because we get to define, um, because we are the experts on our own bodies and our own selves, and we might not always personally know what we need but we should be able to access practitioners healers um farmers you know neighbors um in ways that we can seek the support and resources that we need to feel most well and so I think plant medicine Mm. for me personally was such a huge light bulb or awakening or Um, comfort and, um, inspiration, um, because of how, I think because of how beautiful they are and getting to, when I was learning about plant medicine, Mm. I got to like witness the plants, like growing in real life. And so like witnessing their beauty and magic, like which um, is something that, you know, I really like to bring to people in whatever form I can, either at the shop or in herb school. It's like connect being a facilitator to connect people to plants. It's like there was something so inspiring about wanting to take that medicine in and the safety of that and the knowing that peoples of time and time and time past have been doing this. Like there's something right about this. And I have a lot of gratitude for modern medicine um, in the sense that, you know, I take doxycycline when I have an acute Lyme infection, and it's helped me and I am so grateful that, that medicine exists but it, there's no binary there's no like either or there's no like you're a crazy plant lady or you're you know um <laughs> like you know medical expert or antibiotics for everything it's like there's so much room and there's so much space in between and I think those were the spaces that I was most curious of um And then lastly, it's like then the experience of me um, taking in plant medicine, building back up from burnout and um, like significantly like taking care of some shit in my life, like health wise and emotionally wise, like like I had the personal experience then of taking in plant medicine and seeing changes and transformations. And so that was that's enough, you know, that's, that's everything.
0: Totally. Well, and I, we don't have to include this in the show. If you don't feel comfortable with us, including this, we can like my, our producer can sure. just cut it. But I remember you healing your own HPV infection with yeah. medicine. Yeah. And I, I remember also- being like, I remember remember that being a real turning point for me in terms of understanding the power of plant medicine where I was like, oh my God, like you can literally, you can can literally heal this thing that like now, you know, every, like there's all this like national controversy over like what age should people get vaccinated against Mm -hmm. this this, um, disease? And then like, I'm over here, but like thinking like, oh, but one of my dearest, oldest friends literally healed her own HPV infection with plant medicine. Like that's also yeah. possible. And that again, it doesn't is, have yeah. to be a binary, but like, yeah.
1: Yeah. That was my, that's my big success story, boo. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I- I, I'm actually like, um, well, you know, I'll have to see where it's at now with the printing process because of what we're, you know, state of the world. But, um, I wrote, um, I wrote a zine based on my experience over the last 12 years with HPV coming from like my first, um, case, um, Anyway, long story, but I'm really excited for that to come out. And I'm still, you know, still working through it. I mean, it, that's one of the things that comes and goes and is, is, so again, we'll put that on, a, on our list of like what plant medicine, um, can touch upon. Well, it can, yeah, it can, it can clear viruses and change the nature of, of our cellular structure when it's like, um, uh, being affected by viruses in HPVs, you know, yeah. in the sense of that. So, yeah, it's so incredible. I'm so happy to have that story to share with people.
0: Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. Well, and so on that note, I'm like, okay, there is this pandemic happening. It is yeah. a virus. So, like, we let's have our moment where we get down to brass tacks. I know that listeners are wondering, like, What can they do to support their own immune health, specifically respiratory and lung health? Yeah. And so I would love to hear your advice for our listeners. Also, because anyone who's listening to our show is also going to be thinking about and sharing this information just in their own communities and families. So thinking about like, what can people be doing to support their own immune respiratory and lung health? but also thinking about like what is available to people Mm -hmm. in their own homes or nearby? What are home remedies? What are community remedies? I am wondering about both what people can do and also what can people do safely and what is accessible to people, especially people who, you know, are low income or no income, which is increasingly more of us um, because of the, you know, the economic Mm -hmm. slowdown. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, this is great. This is so you know good to talk about and share with one another. And thank you for that opportunity. Um, And I just want to just plug because they are two really great resources. Um, So before I get into some of my favorites here, um, I just want to also say that Gina Badger of Long Spell Herbs put together what's called a Kitchen Witch's Guide to Wellness in the Time of COVID nineteen and Gina did that alongside contributions from many herbalist friends and comrades and teachers of mine. And it's really accessible, really well done, really informative. So if you, um, uh, it's called Get Radical Boil Roots, and you can find that through Long Spell awesome. Herbs on Instagram or. And we on- can,
0: we can um, link to that in the show notes too.
1: Oh, great. Okay, great. Um, yeah, totally. So my dear friend, um, body Erdal, and uh, also an herbalist um, on Instagram, her handle is nodding thistle and rose milk. She's put up a ton of incredible um, herbal and food resources, like in the highlights, like you can make stories and then save them. They're called highlights. Um, <laughs> y'all okay. probably know, but I'm, you know, I'm catching on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For all analog people out there, that's what I Right is. <laughs> but I just want
1: to plug that too because Vadi is incredible and um, an incredible um, uh, plant facilitator plant connector and an herbalist so these two resources I think are um, really good ones so yeah we can share them in the notes but some of my things when we're thinking about immunity and we're thinking about lung health um, and we're thinking about COVID-19 um, so, and these are not just you know this is things that I'm saying that I'm doing for myself and that I think are great to do right now. And also are just a collection of collective wisdom. They're not just all, all my own here. So I just want to plug all the other Mm -hmm. folks out there um, offering the same information, but some things that we know, and we've even talked about this before is um, definitely prioritizing um, eating foods that feel good when you eat them and um Right now, too, with this virus, it's um focusing and prioritizing on warming foods. so while we definitely could like have some ice cream or some whatever dairy products, things like that that feel really good and comforting when we're socially isolating and in this pandemic state, um I also wanna just say like. Just to then uh, mitigate or navigate how much of those things we're eating in comparison to other herbs that are warming um so things like garlic cardamom, mm. ginger soups broth stews um because this virus is is cold and it's wet and damp, so when it um, mm. if and when we come into contact with it um it can <clears throat> become really, really troublesome and problematic if it gets deep into our lungs and that cold and damp, we want to counteract with spice and warm. So regardless of what your budget is, what food, food store, um, outlet, wherever you access your food from... If you um, make sure to add, get garlic and get any spicy um, peppers or hot sauce or things like that, ginger, um, all of these kitchen remedies are going to be everyone's, like, number one um, ally and friend at this time. Um mm. So those are good to incorporate. Also aromatic herbs like sage, rosemary, thyme, oregano. Those are really, um, really great to have on hand right now. You can buy them at grocery stores uh, fresh sometimes sometimes dried it doesn't matter what form and you can bring them home and um, do you know put them on that you can cook with them you can make tea with them and drink that throughout the day but you can also put them in a pot of water on your stove um, and uh, put it onto like a simmer so that it creates a steam, and that steam is going to cleanse hmm. the air. the Their antiviral, antimicrobial herbs, um, the pungency in them kicks butt. Serious, serious butt kickers. So, getting that medicine oh. up into the air of where you're quarantining is a great idea, as well as sticking your head well, can over you the pot
0: herbs again. Like, oh sure. Could you just list the herbs again?
1: Yeah, so those these steaming herbs are um sage, thyme, rosemary, oregano. For folks who have access to the outdoors, you can also um harvest uh pine needles, cedar needles, um and remember to ask the trees lovingly or look for windfall and see if there's any branches down where you can um, that would be even better. Um, So Mm -hmm. that medicinal steam is going to purify the air of any microbes that we don't want to cohabitate with during quarantine. And also for folks that are going outside to the grocery store or essential workers or to the post office or wherever you might have to go once a week, once every other week um, or the one person in your Um, quarantine pot or household has to go. These steams are really good to do after you come in from the outdoors and wash your hands and Mm -hmm. wash your face. And um, they're essentially, you know, the virus likes to stick to our eyeballs, in our nostrils and in our throat onto those mucous membranes. So if we can cleanse those things with these herbs, it's super helpful. Um, You can also burn those herbs in your space very grounding and also again, um, cleansing and purifying the air. Um, I would also recommend, um, salt water gargles once a day. Um, or when you have to come in from the outdoors, again, the salt is going to pull from, um, draw any microbes out, um, from the tissue. So that's really good to consider doing. Um, uh yeah, when I come in from shipping herbs or having to go, you know, to the grocery store, I definitely like come home, take my outdoor clothes off, wash my face, wash my hands, gargle, um and sometimes take a shower, you know, for sure. Um, yeah. And okay, so we got the steams, we got the warming foods and herbs, we've got the um salt water gargle. Um, I am really hot on medicinal mushrooms like reishi, shiitake, maitake, turkey tail. Um, I've been using those a lot in broths or in, um, I make tincture from them. So, um, sometimes you can find those things at certain... Uh, food stores um, or markets as well, mm-hmm. just for folks who want to know a little bit of other kind of um, herbs I might be using. But those kitchen witch herbs are definitely like such a good go to. Um, the garlic, my favorite little garlic trick is just chopping up a whole head or at least a bunch of cloves and chopping it up small, putting it in a little dish with olive oil and salt, and then just eating it on anything I'm eating, toast or soup or eggs in the morning, uh, and that is gonna be a really great daily immune um supporter. <coughs> Excuse me, and one that's accessible. Um fermented foods And, and it's like why the- not
0: have medicine be delicious? That's my whole feeling.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I really love thyme in tea Like if you just steep a little time in some hot water, I mean, it's delicious. Add a little honey. I mean, it's perfect for right now. It's such a good respiratory um, support and such a great antimicrobial, meaning it's fighting off pathogens. Um, And then, you know, I had not made sauerkraut in like 12 years. (laughs) I feel like fermented foods are really important. And um. I you you know you can make it at home now that we have maybe more time some of us you know folks out there and cabbage is inexpensive and salt is readily available and there's plenty of easy recipes you can just wing it yourself um, but just even just to look online to kind of see what it looks like to um make sure you're, you know, doing it correctly or whatever. But that one I'm just like, yeah, get into the like what Dory Midnight calls pandemic crafts. Make some sauerkraut, you know, get that fermented mm-hmm. food in your
0: blood.
1: Um <laughs> such a huge immune support. And also lastly to um getting the body moving for our lymph system to keep flowing. Our lymph system is like a highway system, like our blood, um, our capillary system, our vein system. We have these um, lymph systems, you know, if you're, or lymph nodes, I'm sorry, if you, you know, feel in your throat or your armpit. Um, around around the chest, in the groin, there's these spots where if you've been sick before, you might've felt like different lymph nodes swollen. And the lymph system mm-hmm. is actually clearing the metabolic waste that your immunity is creating by going around and gobbling up all of the foreign invaders that um, the body wants to get rid of. But, you know, the mm-hmm. lymph system can get stuck and um that prolongs illness. So we want to encourage it to move and flow, which body movement and those warming foods are really helpful with, um as well as staying super well hydrated and drinking tons of water. But um moving mm-hmm. the body a little vigorously, like whatever that means for you, um is helpful with that and and or doing um warm salt baths at home, whether that's a foot bath and you stick your feet in your biggest pot that you have in the kitchen, or you have a bathtub and you can get your body in there, but getting the heat moving throughout the body and getting the lymph system moving and flowing so so that they were clearing pathogens and toxins um, from the environment um as best we can I think is another really great one to consider incorporating into our like weekly quarantine life
0: um that's so helpful and I feel like that one is the one that's probably really hard for a lot of us to do right now because I think like I mean in addition to like depending on where you are and depending on you know what what different individuals individual quarantine look like i think that there's yeah. um there's like varying levels of like accessibility of like going outside safely for people and so then there's this question of like how do we get i i really appreciate you giving these different options for like how to get the get that the the limp system moving with heat Um, so that even if like getting outside and moving vigorously outside is not an option for you, there's other ways to do it. Um, and of course, Mm -hmm. obviously that's super supportive of like mental and emotional wellness too, like (laughs) moving the body vigorously, being outside, all those things are helpful. And I think, you know, I, I'm hearing from a lot of people that I'm close to that there is some real, you know depression and grief setting in at this time about what's happening, which is resulting in people wanting to move less or having a hard time actually getting up and moving around. Oh my gosh. I feel that. I feel
1: you all. I feel that. I am experiencing that too. And that's super real. And the grief component came up, um, more specifically for me and other, other friends and, folks that I've been in touch with over this week. I feel like now that we're a couple weeks in or a bit of time in, I feel like that collective grief um, and tragedy is setting in in a different way. Like, I feel like a couple weeks ago, there was more kind of like, okay, setting setting things up, setting myself up, um, making sure I had what I needed, checking in on friends, checking in on family. I live alone, so um, I you know, a lot of time was spent like checking in, um, on other folks, but I feel like the grief. So I, whereas I had spent some time kind of like readying and steadying and kind of focusing Mm -hmm. and not being able to really sleep and being hyper on and trying to digest all this information and learning about the virus and learning about what herbs could be helpful and navigating all the changes in, my personal life and daily life and those of all the people that I care about. It was like now that we've had some time in and even more and more losses is happening and more and more dismantling of the system is happening. It's like a lot of grief is setting in and a lot of collective grief is setting in and it's exhausting. It's exhausting and it yeah. makes my body hurt yeah. with physical pain and it makes me Not, yeah, not want to go get up and take a walk outside, and yet I feel like those are the awakening moments where we can do all we can to let ourselves let have those feelings flow and move and continue to have agency and make choices about what we need to support ourselves best in that moment. And so, even if we choose. To not choose—that's like a choice, you know. But I just want to remind <laughs> my that, totally. you know, like we mm-hmm. still, we still can make, we still can make choices around, around it. Um, you know, we still mm-hmm. have agency, we still have self determination, even though our access looks a lot, a lot different right now. And that's what's so important about turning to community, turning to plants turning to each other in terms of navigating how to figure that out now
0: hmm. yeah and on that tip I just you know before we shift away from the like uh what can people do with plants question um I I really appreciate you giving this list of like the things that actually are really accessible and usable regardless of one's um you know like level of familiarity with herbalism and plant medicine um and i'm wondering if there is any you know any specific herbal medicines that you would recommend people having on hand if they can get them um, that would be useful to have should people contract the virus
1: mm-hmm Yeah, this is, this is, I feel like, you know, because I also work with bioregional plants, like I'm thinking about what's, what's here, but I've also been learning from and in conversation with herbalists who are, um, bioregionally translating medicinal formulas that are coming from traditional Chinese medicine and coming from China that have been used for COVID. Um, Mm. but I would say, you know, I don't, without knowing all of those herbs or having access to all those herbs, I would definitely say, um, well, one thing to have on hand at home that's super useful is a thermometer and Tylenol um, so that those are fever reducers, but plants that are also fever reducers are yarrow um, and elderflower. Those are called diaphoretics. Um, they help, uh, reduce fever, um, cooling cool. herbs like peppermint or skull cap. Um, those herbs can be cooling to a fever so they can be used in conjunction with the diaphoretics. But then because of the cold nature of this virus, we want to again, have those warm warming herbs at home, like the, uh, aromatics, the, like we talked before, the rosemary, the sage, the oregano, the thyme, thyme especially, but also um, other warmers like uh, basils, holy basil, um, that one would be great. And this hyssop is another really great respiratory herb. Um, Mullen is a really great respiratory herb, um, opening up the airways. It's an old asthmatic remedy. Um, you could pull in the medicine through drinking it as a tea or even like pulling in the smoke of the plant or someone blowing the smoke of the plant into your lungs. Um, mm. and we also have Ella campaign, which is, um, an incredible plant that helps pull, um, cold damp infection out from, Within our lungs, up and out. Um, wow! So I might be kind of like spit firing here, but I'm just like off the top of my head. And then no, also I mean, too,
0: the, all so useful.
1: Yeah, and then those medicinal mushrooms again, like the reishi, um, the turkey tail. Those contribute um, to our vital force um, and and build and support and keep in balance our deep innate immunity. Um, and so, and other adaptogens do that as well, like Eleuthero and Astragalus, um, Schizandra. Um, so those can help contribute to the fatigue and the vital force that gets like seriously um, taken down by this virus while incorporating those respiratory herbs like the mullein, elecampane, anise hyssop, the warmers like the um, holy basil and those food medicines. And then, um, for the mm. fever, the yarrow, the diaphoretics, and then the cooling agents, like the peppermint, so yeah, that's what wow. I got that's what I'm thinking. um oh, I'm sorry, one there. more thing um, the clearers, the cleansers the the lymph movers, so we can use um cleavers, calendula, red clover. Things that are lymphogogs, they get the lymph system moving. We can also use liver-supporting herbs like dandelion, burdock, yellow dock. So we want to add those things in as well to kind of um, make sure the body is eliminating the work that the immunity is doing to clear the virus, you know what I mean? So, um, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, yeah this is really helpful. And And so, and in that, in the, um, the document that, um, that you were referencing earlier that we linked to in the show notes, there's protocols in that document for like how to use these herbal remedies, right? So people are not having to kind of like, um, you know, play a guessing game about how to use them and in what order and what to use together, but are actually getting going to get guidance about how to do. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. There's definite, definite guidance in there for sure. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great question. And the other thing maybe too, I'd just like to say with, you know, at home remedies or herbal remedies. um, Yes, there are definitely, plenty of plants out there that, um, are medicinal, but are considered toxic and have to take in very specific ways. And there are, um, also plants out there that, um, interact negatively with certain medications, but in general, when we're talking about the herbs we listed here and the ones that are in that document, the ones that are probably, you know, at home in some of many of our kitchens, um, they are really safe and it is okay to play around with them and experiment and listen to your gut and listen to your intuition um, on a lot of them. And so I just want to remind folks to allow that, to allow that experimentation, allow that okayness and playfulness to come in because um, a lot of these plants are um, incredibly safe to work with and, I just yeah it's just a really great point that you bring up around the safety issue
0: um yeah and i can say to you i've been taking your medicine for years and i just have so much respect for you as a practitioner and as a visionary and so thank you for everything and especially for this time that you just gave so generously oh
1: gosh gosh thank you autumn
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Apocalypse Survival mini-series of How to Survive the End of the World. In a future episode, we will continue the conversation about medicine and healing under conditions of collapse, but looking at the issue through the lens of integrative healthcare models and systems change. Other upcoming episodes will look at food and water on the run, digital security, and protecting ourselves. Tune in for our next episode, where I talk with Leah Panaman of Soul Fire Farm about growing food, rehabilitating the land, and the role of food sovereignty movements in reconnecting our bodies with land and our ancestors. How to Survive the End of the World is on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. You can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash endoftheworldshow. There's no better time than now to support our podcast. The more our listeners give, the more of this critical content we can produce and get out to folks. Another incredibly helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person. How to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by the incomparable Zach Rosen. Music for today's show comes from Tunde Alani Ron, and Mother Cyborg. How
1: will you know
0: When you've reached the life you're looking for